Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado. Para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC. in the standard calm has actually uh, been restored now to the Okaikwe North uh, Limited Voters Registration Centre after the uh, reported attack that we brought to you by our colleague uh, Prince Oso and Saab. But uh, the Electoral Commission has also been uh, defending the reason for which, uh, till date, we have not seen uh, the expansion of some of the uh, registration centres. Yes, the uh, Deputy Commissioner, uh, Dr. Sri Bokwiku, answering a number of questions even ahead of the press conference. The Commission has been mandated by the Constitution to perform certain functions and the Commission has no choice but to obey or to perform such functions. If the Commission does anything contrary to what it has been mandated to do, then that becomes antithesis. And we, we, the, I, 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 I wouldn't want to know the word that to be used for them because the purpose of your being is to do certain things and you decide not to do it. But before I proceed, I want to say that for the media and the CSOs, your attention is register them, register them, register them. That is the focus of the media and the CSO. And maybe you are quoting uh, my, my, my chair at the time he was CSO. Mm. But when you come into the kitchen, that is where you see that you are, your responsibility changes. The, the thinking of the commission is that it is to register people and also to protect the sanctity of the register. That is very, very important, which nobody is talking about. You are going to compile voters' register. That will be used to determine who leads Ghana in all fronts. What goes into the register should be something that should not be, that can create about, bring about pro, pro issues. If you remember, in 2016, there were a lot of issues about the sanctity of the register, a lot of demonstration, whatever, whatever you. The commission insisted that what we have could be used for the election, and it was done. 
And that's uh, Suribo Kweku answering a few questions. But today, the Electoral Commission, as we understand, will uh, be addressing the press any moment from now. We uh, will be giving you some live pictures from the headquarters of the Electoral Commission as uh, we are ready, of course, ourselves to hear from the chairperson of the commission or any other assigned who may be addressing uh, the, the press briefing. I want to also bring in now uh, Dr. Asar Santi, who is a political scientist at the University of Ghana, joining us uh, via Zoom. Thank you, Doc, uh, for spending some time with us uh, this afternoon. Afternoon, quite a long day uh, we will have, but you know, break it down for us. The EC justifying uh, why it is, uh, you know, reluctant and opening up more registration centers. They believe that sanctity must be of topmost priority. That's the concern of the EC. Uh, does you know expansion in any way compromise uh, the integrity of the exercise? Yeah. Good afternoon, uh, Blizzard. I think that example cannot. Sorry, that explanation cannot fly anything. Uh, simply put, um, we are saying that people have attained the age of voting. And by law, they are required to have their names uh, implanted in the, re- the role of what voters in this country. So how do you do this? You cannot say that because you want sanctity, you are going to disenfranchise people. And then it becomes an aberration. And I don't think that that is the way to go. The way to go is that, yes, you are mindful of the fact that the people that you want to put their name into the books, they are qualified by law, and that there is nothing that will undermine the process. But that is not to say that you are, what, putting impediments in their way so as to, what, disenfranchise them. Then that becomes, what, a misnomer, an aberration. That creates credibility problems for the commission and for the entire elections that is forthcoming. Uh, but then, you know, the deputy commissioner was explaining that, you know, for those of us who are outside, I mean, CSO media, as he explains, uh, we're just hyping the matters very much, um, you know, um, sentimental issues, as we would want to put it out there. Long queues, um, clashes, chaos at the centers, people being attacked. Yes, these are concerns. But from the perspective of the commission, they have that primary responsibility of weighing all of the options available to it and to decide whether or not you know, to expand the centers. Are you saying that when you do it this way and people are disenfranchised, you have achieved your mandate? Is that what you are saying? Let, us, let them remember that you are talking about people's rights. The rights are those entitlements that are given by the state that enable individuals to become the best of themselves. The right to express themselves in election. It is a fundamental right, non-negotiable. So you do everything to protect it. The worst that you can do to it is to maintain it at the minimum level. Yes, if you can't do anything about it, you maintain it. But to bring it down, no. So that explanation for me is nothing to write home about. All that they have to do is that make sure that at the end of the day, sanctity is maintained and then people's rights are not shortchanged. Once you are, what about the situation that you're able to make maintain sanctity and a lot of people don't get voted or don't get registered? Is that what they want? Then you become an enemy of an open society and you undermine the fortunes of what? Democracy that we are nurturing and guarding jealously. Mm. I think that they must think and think again yeah. and then make sure that they do the need for to bring everybody on board. We are not saying that that bringing, registering people mm. should allow you to open the floodgate to allow people who are not qualified by law to do so. No, it right. is in tandem mm. with the work that you do that you make sure that 
whilst you pursue the cause of what justice or you will respect the rules of the game you at the same time making sure that everybody who is qualified by law get opportunity to be able to what, be mm. registered and then uh, exercise as franchise in the future. Okay. Uh, in fact, I must uh, point out that the EC is ready any moment from now uh, as we speak. The Electoral Commission will be addressing the press. So you see uh, live pictures there from the headquarters of the Electoral Commission. Uh, a number of uh, journalists already gathered waiting for the chairperson, Gene Mentor, who will now be addressing the press um, in a few moments from now. These are live pictures that we're bringing to you, uh, bringing you up to speed as your election headquarters with all of the updates as we uh, have it coming through. But a number of questions for the uh, EC chairperson to address this afternoon, Doc, you agree? Uh, in fact, many of us were expecting that the exercise would be uh, peaceful. Uh, yet just, um, you know, last night, Okaikwe areas were, were, you know, hearing reports of some attacks on, on some of the um, individuals there in the queues. Uh, what do you feel is accounting for this? Do you feel that the increasing numbers is also compromising security? So the increasing numbers is a factor, and some people want to also have a field day. And difficult situation like that, you see people, miscreants, who want to take undue advantage of the system and create trouble for society. And that is why we have security. They should, you know, deal with them. I trust our security will deal with them and get them out of the system so that the real problem at hand will be addressed head on. Uh, the issue is that the issue should just be sober, reflect on these things, and have a solution to these problems. Because what is the end game? Is it to what? Uh, make sure that people are disenfranchised. I'm not sure that is their thinking, and it can never be. Otherwise, they are not fit to be in the office. And I'm not sure, uh, without any uh, imagination, I can say without fear of contradiction that that is not their thinking. But but your action is pointing to that. And if it is happening, so then you must what? Do the need for, by what? Stay uh, away from that process. And Doc, the, you know, uh, process is about, you know, uh, allocation. Probably it's uh, one of the clearest ways of dealing with this. Former President John Romani Mahama talking about that uh, when he visited some of these centers, asking that more allocation be done. But some say it's late in the day. Uh, that, that could possibly be uh, a setback to the EC, isn't it? Uh, the reason for which they are not expanding. Allocation of what, please? Resources, perhaps. Have they complained of resources? I mean, you, you are only guessing. Let the EC complain, then we know their problem. Remember that they are not right, right, you know, running a public business, a private business. They are running state business. So the state has assigned you to do a duty, a piece of work. If the state doesn't have resources, which will be now for you to carry out your mandate, you have every right to voice it out and it will be provided. Because election is a very critical indices for ensuring what? You know, a successful uh, political society. So we are saying that this is what we have pledged our all our will and our might to. So we will move resources uh, to the place to make sure that it works. So they can hide behind resource, uh, lack of resources to create problems. No. And I'm not sure that they are in to create problems because they are there to solve problems and make life better for everybody so that this democracy will be strengthened.
Mm. Uh, for those of you who are joining us now on the Join News Channel, uh, live pictures from the EC's uh, headquarters where uh, the chairperson, Gene Mensah, will be addressing the press uh, any moment from now. A number of concerns uh, regarding the limited uh, registration exercise, which we will be uh, bringing up to speed, um, you know, with in terms of the responses. Uh, but first, I want us to also get some updates uh, from the Okainkwe areas uh, where, of course, some attacks um, occurred last night. Doc, I'll come back to you and also we'll be uh, monitoring the space there at the Electoral Commission. But let's listen through um, on this latest coming through from my colleague Samuel Mbura, who was uh, within the registration area around the Okaikwe uh, North uh, Centre. The exercise here at Okaikwe North was marred by violence, leading to about 15 people being attacked. We were told five people got injured as a result. At the moment, no arrests have been made. However, CAM has returned. The Deputy General Secretary of the MPP in the Okaikwe North constituency, Isaac Ode, said the exercise has been smooth so far. Today, everything has been successful. There's no problem. We are complying. The security is at post. And no, nothing, everything is fine. So far, we've not encountered any challenge yet. Everything is working, everything is moving on steadily. And you can see for yourself, nobody is complaining. NEC, they are registering, MPP is registering, and everything is going on successfully. So some of you had to pass the night here. What was the reason? Uh, okay, the reason has to do with the fact that people come and queue. So you think that maybe you, you don't want your people to be in a queue for long. So they come as early as possible and queue and wait for the officials when they register. The exercise has also been described as successful by the NDC. Uh, Mr. Yadou is the deputy organizer of the NDC in the Okaikwe North constituency. Today the exercise has been smooth. Uh, from day one we raised concerns about the process. But from the third day the EC gave us an extra machine and so far so good. Assistance, everything has been moving successfully. There was one guy being arrested earlier on in the morning because he was trying to do a double registration. But I think he was being sorted out and you know, he was being released to go and was being cautioned also. Regardless of the longer queue here at Okaikwe North constituency, the new entrants are waiting patiently to register. The exercise has been okay so far. Nothing, just smooth process. We are just following the line, going through the process. I just want the vote aside this card for identification purposes. That's all. I'm here to get the voter ID so that I may be permitted to vote for the upcoming elections. Oh, I just came here to um, do my voter's ID because I don't have one. And I think I have to vote. And it's what I have to do because I'm eating. Adequate security has been provided by the Ghana Police Service. And right behind me, they have barricaded the area to prevent intruders from causing chaos at the registration center. At the moment, the exercise has been smooth and the registrants are expecting that at the end of the day, they will have their names captured into the voters' register. Reporting from Okaikwe North Registration Center here in Accra, Samuel Mbura. And we're here uh, still in the studio and monitoring um, what may happen in the next uh, few minutes where the Electoral Commission uh, will be addressing the press uh, any moment from now. The chairperson is expected or uh, any other assigned, uh, you know, expected to touch on matters uh, relating to the uh, EC's uh, limited registration exercise. Dr. Asasanti is still with us. Uh, and, Doc, you know, the political parties have still been accused of 
um, being part of, of the challenge that we're finding uh, with the entire registration process, uh, bossing of individuals, uh, you know, creating the, the political tension as, as we're seeing. Do, do you feel that the political parties should also be taking some responsibility for what's happening? Certainly so, because this phenomenon has been with us, with us time immemorial. That political parties will come and pretend to be, you know, going according to the rules of the game. But they are one of the actors that undermine the very process by buzzing people, they're taking people to go and, you know, register people who are minors and the rest of them. Uh, it is something that all of us as a society must rise up and then criticize them so that they shy away from this ungodly act. It is not fine because one in one breath, they will preach virtues. In another, they will practice vice. Ah, they will condemn the system that the system has uh, a lot of what goes names, a lot of minors and other, but they themselves are part to be blamed for this type of um, exercise. So uh, in this uh, regard, I believe that Ghanaians must wake up to this challenge and then address them on, and that it can only be done when we are vigilant at the place, that when you see something, report something to the securities apparatus that this person, you believe strongly that is not required by law to do this and not on that and that if it turns out to be true uh, the consequence is there for everybody to see this practice should cease because you see election should be foolproof and the preparatory process is as important as the last end of it so that you want to get everything right so as not to raise doubt in the minds of anybody because at the end of the day whoever goes through election when there is uneven playing field will complain and that will compromise the election. And the person, if you don't take care, will not accept the, the verdict at the end of the day. But the, 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 the beautiful end of every electoral process we expect is that you lose and you lose gallantly and you accept defeat and abide by the rules of the game. That's the spirit behind, behind democracy. And this is what we all are praying for. So we are saying that let's get the basis right. Uh, your expectations, uh, of course, uh, that seat we, we, we see in the middle there is supposed to be for the one who will be addressing the, the, the press briefing. We're expecting uh, that this should be the chairperson of the commission herself, uh, who, who's for some days now been accused of, uh, uh, you know, evading uh, the court's service, uh, which later on her lawyers have explained uh, as to uh, now taking over and fully bearing the responsibility of representing her in the courts. What's your expectation from, uh, you know, the chairperson of the com uh, commission and also uh, perhaps uh, other officials who, who may be the ones addressing the press today? My expectation is that they will look at all these concerns and uh, make sure that they take a decision that will address all this. I am not sure it's in the interest of the EC uh, to jettison all these concern, uh, complaints and then uh, go on uh, according to their own game. No, they should look at the issues and as they come and address it and make sure that at the end of the day, those who qualify by law have their name in the books and those who don't are what rejected. Very simple matter. You see, um, there, there is a cost associated with this. If you are easy and you do things in such a way that somebody can read meanings into it, telling themselves that, yes, you are trying to favor one party against the rest. The party then suffers when people will vent their anger on them 
and then they will incur the wrath of those people. And that is what we don't want, because then you are necessarily punishing a political party which has done nothing, but by your action, uh, they are extending uh, their anger to that uh, political party and all that. That's unfair. So I believe that all these things will serve as a guide to regulate the conduct of the EC, to do things that we expect of them, and then make sure that this process goes on successfully. Because remember, voter registration is part of the, there's uh, the so many indices of free and fair election. When you get it wrong, I'm afraid you have compromised the election and the results will not be funny. Uh, you know, the arguments that if the next registration window is open, um, that will afford more and more Ghanaians the opportunity to register next year before the general elections. Is that an idea that we should be buying into? It's not tenable at all. Uh, what prevents them from being registered now? And let them also take advantage of what? Exercising their franchise in the media's election, all right, than waiting for next year. Plato told us that we have no control of tomorrow. If we want to do something, let's do it now. Tomorrow doesn't belong to you. So who says that those people who want to vote, all right, next year, if they are prevented to register now, they will be in the country and vote, or they will, they will continue to have that interest to want to what, exercise that right of theirs. I believe that the time is now. Those who are ready and according to the law, they are qualified. Allow them. Next year will take care of itself. And, and, of course, next year will be another year where the EC will now be confronted with, uh, you know, an increased number in terms of the registration. If That is, if they are not able to uh, capture the estimated 1.3 million people by the end uh, of this year. Uh, the CI, which uh, the EC has laid before Parliament, is also coming into sharp focus. Uh, the fact that it has, as requirements, the Ghana card. That's going to be subject to, you know, another um, political debate altogether. But how do we resolve this uh, problem completely? Because the EC is standing on the leg of the guarantor system, uh, which it argues is not, you know, helping the credibility of the electoral rule. People have spoken against the, 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 the route that the EC want to take. I believe that the EC must pull back and look at these things and see which one works. You see... Uh, when you look yourself in the mirror, you will not be able to know exactly what is wrong. But let people tell you about what is happening, and then you get the things right. So the thing is that the easy. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Must be able to what, allow itself to be, you know, giving information, to be educated. Let people express their views and put up together. And then you can reason out of that and you get something that will satisfy at least most of our interests. Look, because at the end of the day, whatever they do will have consequence on the election. And I'm sure that if they want one day, they want to look back and say that we put this system in place and that this is a system that has brought us this far. I think that is the mark of every uh, person who occupies a political office, that you want to leave a legacy that will stand the test of time. But you don't want a system that you introduce that at the end of the day, 
that system will come under attack and that system will not inure to the interest of everybody, then that system is not fit for purpose and it will really undermine all the good work that you have done. I believe that the time is now for them to what, take all these um, concerns on board and then make sure that let's get people who are qualified by law registered. Because what is in it for EC? The question I want to pose. I'm not sure there is something to benefit out of this if people don't register. You rather want to what, urge people to register so as to what be able to what, express themselves when election comes. Uh, Dr. Santi, this is just a limited registration exercise. Why the euphoria? Yes, because it is my right. And if I want to exercise it, why are, are you also preventing me from doing so? Then it becomes what? Uh, another question that needs to be addressed. Yes, the excitement is that everybody, when you go through socialization, you realize that children, as they move from childhood to adulthood, become so excited. They want to be called men and women. People who have reached the age of voting. It is another level of maturity. That yes, I voted. I decided uh, for who ran the affairs of this country. I was part of that decision. This is not a funny, you know, uh, you know, program. It is an, a very important one that people want to, you know, be part of that important decision. And if they are qualified by law, why do you want to prevent them from exercising that right? Mm. Uh, Dr. Sasanti, uh, just stay with us. Uh, we're still monitoring developments at the EC headquarters uh, and very shortly would have the chairperson of the commission um, or any other uh, assigned from the commission address us. But, I mean, looking at the setup there at the headquarters, I'm presuming that this will be the chairperson's address, uh, also flanked by two more chairs, I'm suspecting, uh, will be that of uh, Dr. Bosman Asari and uh, uh, Samotete, who's also a, a commissioner there at the EC, we, we never know who may be the one addressing that uh, press briefing. So we'll still uh, watch the space. Uh, Dr. Sansti, j- just stay with us. Uh, we'll be getting to the um, EC headquarters uh, shortly, but there's also a need to update you on some of the happenings uh, around the country before we get back to the EC headquarters, because the bond holders, uh, the bondholders forum actually have rejected another uh, attempt by government to rope them into the domestic debt exchange program. Um, government has announced that it is reopening the domestic debt exchange program, particularly for investors who did not sign up uh, for the February exercise. The Ministry of Finance, in a statement, noted that the opportunity will also cover holders of the ESLA uh, PLC as well as the Dachi bonds. Uh, but member of the uh, Pensioner Bondholders Forum. Uh, actually objecting to that. James Aveji has been monitoring the exercise and comes through with this report. Between February and June 2023, members of the Pensioner Bondholders Forum picked the Finance Ministry demanding a total exemption from the government's domestic debt exchange program. After a back and forth between the two parties, an agreement was reached. That agreement granted total exemption from the domestic debt exchange program that agreement granted a total exemption from the domestic debt exchange program to the Pensioner Bondholders Forum. But in a statement dated 13 September 2023, the bondholders say government is attempting to rope them into another debt exchange program. They have been classified under category B of that statement. They are expected to submit their bonds 
to the finance ministry for a new term. But at the press conference on Monday morning, members of the pensioner bondholders say they cannot be included in the new domestic debt exchange program. Dr. Edwana Nienchi is convener of the group. We have noted that category B holders consisting of eligible holders that are natural persons 59 years old and above. As of 1st first, first January 2023, and are still holding eligible bonds have been included as part of the eligible holders who are being invited to tender their holding of the eligible bonds in exchange for a package of new tranches, a packet of new trenches. We find this as irregular. We believe that the inclusion of category B holders, that is pensioners, in the invitation is irregular for the following reasons. Category B holders, that is the pensioners, who did not tender their bonds were on the 16 February 2023 exempted from the DDEP. Effectively, natural persons 40, 59 years old and above, as of 1st January 2023, who did not tender their bonds and were subsequently exempted from the DDP, are not part of persons who could not participate in the DDP. Such persons, therefore, cannot be part of an invitation to give holders who could not participate in the DDEP an opportunity to tender. Our response to these statements is that natural persons 59 years old or older as of 1st January are not part of holders of eligible bonds who did not participate in the February 2023 exchange on time. They were exempted from the DDEP. They are not part of people who could not participate on time. We were exempted. We have advised that the government should not create a situation that will result in pensioners not receiving their coupons and principals on due dates. According to Dr. Edwana Nientri, they have sent a reminder letter to the Ministry of Finance and Government reminding them of the exemption they have granted the pensioner bondholders. He says if they do not hear anything from government in the coming days or are not exempted, they will have no option than to resume their picketing. We have already informed the whole world that any time our coupon or principal is in arrears, the only thing we will do is to picket the ministry, as we have done. Uh, we will do that if the ministry delays in paying our coupons and principals when the principal is due to be paid. So that is what we are going to do. It has, we have done it and we will continue to do it. We don't want to go back to the picketing. And that is why we don't want government to bring any system that will get these coupons and principals delayed. But if a system is created to delay the principal of the coupons, then we will picket the ministry to demand our payment. Meanwhile, the pensioner bondholders are hopeful that government will honor 
it was in the letter of exemption granted the pensioner bondholders. Reporting for Joy News from the Clocksack Auditorium here in Accra, my name is James Aveji. So, excerpts of what transpired earlier today. So, let's give you a breakdown of this uh, new trend or reopening of the domestic debt exchange program. Joining us now is Isaac Ovieje, uh, data analyst uh, here at Joy News. Uh, and Kofi, many are wondering, is this a second round, a third round, a reopening? What's the classification uh, from the position of government? Yes, I think we should go with um, the description given by the finance ministry themselves. This is a reopening of the domestic debt exchange program. But per our own analysis, this will be the third form of exchange. Remember that this is domestic debt exchange program. Mm -hmm. The first exchange that was done with a participation rate of 80%, that was when we restructured about 80 billion uh, Ghana cities of our debt. The second round was when we called groups like, you know, individual bondholders, sorry, groups like pension funds, mm -hmm. you know, uh, cocoa bills, and also foreigners who had, who had, you know, come to invest in our economy to come for, and then even IPPs, for instance, right. remember that story. That yes. was the second round. That was the second exchange. The third exchange now will be what the finance ministry is referring to as the reopening. But I would like to quote something from the IMF. They say that when you are doing a debt restructuring, Remember that it comes with replication. So if you do it and it is not deep, you will keep on doing it over and over and over again. And the intended effect that you wanted to get, you probably will not get. If you do the debt restructuring yeah. and you don't do it well. Mm -hmm. Now, per the data that we have, if you've been looking at this domestic debt exchange from the time that the finance minister, the finance minister did the maiden announcement, the total amount that we wanted to restructure was about 137 billion Ghana cities. But that figure, I recall, was revised. Was revised revised yes. three times. Mm -hmm. The fourth revision or the third revision that we worked with was 97.7 billion Whoa. Ghana cities. Just so, so we brought it down. Exactly. Uh, the difference between and, 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 yeah. yeah, the difference between 137 and 97 billion cities is almost around. Over 30 billion Ghana cities that we are talking about. We don't know the people that were excluded. Remember, the finance minister in their, their final press statement said that, you know, some people were excluded because they felt they cannot be included in the debt restructuring. I see. Others who were holding bonds were allowed to exchange their bonds for treasury bills. Remember, all of those things happened when we were just tackling the 97 billion mm -hmm. cities. And so just by doing this and just by letting these people exclude themselves, we created that huge gap of more than 30 billion cities, and now we have to... So inadvertently or intentionally, government is just coming back to the same point Absolutely. where we left off. Uh, let, let's hear from Professor Lord Menza, who's also joining the conversation this afternoon. Prof, thank you for your time. Uh, reopening of the domestic debt exchange, some are calling it the third round of exchange. How do you see it? Uh, and it appears uh, that Professor Lord Mensa will be joining us uh, shortly to also um, share his thoughts with us. But um, we're coming back to this whole mm. uh, figure that we are looking at, a uh, hundred million plus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How much more do we need to, to meet the target? We need a lot. We need a lot. And per the information that we have, uh, we know you know what happened in Zambia, mm -hmm. where you know um, the external creditors were not happy with the position that the government has taken in the domestic sector. Yeah. 
Zambia, when they were doing their debt restructuring, went straight to the external creditors and said, come on, can you give us a haircut and all of those things? They did not tackle the uh, domestic debt restructuring properly. So, they, you know, the external creditors were not happy because they say, if you want us to help you restructure your why don't you start from the domestic space? The same thing probably happened in Ghana. Yeah. You know, you are going to restructure, um, you know, uh, um, um, external, external debt restructuring, which has about 13 billion euro bonds. Why euro don't bonds, you start? Exactly. Euro bonds are mostly pension funds yeah. that people gather, you know, to give you bonds and all of those things. So if you did a restructuring and you want this magnitude of haircut from us who are the external people, then we feel that you need to go back to the domestic space and cut more. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Professor Locke Mensah is back with us. Uh, Prof, I was just asking the question about um, how you feel about this latest reopening um, of the domestic debt exchange program. Yeah, so uh, thank you very much. Good afternoon to our viewers. You know, uh, the debt restructuring and the way we are operationalizing it in this country, I think is unprecedented. Because um, we've read through, I mean, debt restructuring across the globe. And I have seen any debt restructuring that has gone back and forth and that seemed to extend certain levels of um, uncertainty, you know, on the investment space in the country. That is, I mean, unprecedented. Now, from where I sit, I mean, debt exchange comes with economic repercussions. In as much as it has a way of reducing, you know, debt burdens on the government's, you know, balance sheet, um, there are some, you know, negative side to it. And so, therefore, if a country is going through debt restructuring, it does not hang on it for long. That is why your calculations and everything that you are looking out for must be spot on in such a way that when you make that announcement, you don't go back and say, you know, uh, you are coming to do debt restructuring again. From the way things are going, it looks like we are using, you know, the debt exchange as more or less operations, kind of economic management. And that is not done anywhere. Once you announce a debt restructuring, you're done with it once and for all, and then off you go. So uh, for the finance minister to reopen it, more or less a recurrent kind of, you know, debt restructuring, uh, it, it will have a negative impact on our economy. And it, it, it looks like he's having his way because the investor community seem not to have alternatives for their investment. If they have an alternative for their investment, they would have punished, you know, the government in raising, you know, funds. That is why it has been more or less um, kind of negotiations back and forth. So from where I sit, the finance minister shouldn't take advantage of the situation. And then because, I mean, if you turn out to, you know, I mean, prolong the debt restructuring and the investor loses interest in government instruments and they turn out to, you know, sit on their monies at home or they turn out to find alternative use for the money, the government will find itself in trouble. I mean, ability to raise money will be a problem. So from where I sit, they shouldn't look at it that way. What was announced has been dealt with. The Ghanaians, you know, knows very well that um, 
they are done with debt restructuring. And as a result of that, we're not coming back to it anymore. And that should be able to help the economy. But as we speak now, uh, the back and forth seem to prolong the kind of uncertainty. Nobody knows whether the government will touch, you know, the next time. So anybody that is sending his money into, you know, government instrument tend to have, you know, um, hesitation. And so um, the finance minister should be aware of this and then stop the back and forth. And joining us now uh, also is uh, Dr. Eduana Nienchi, who's uh, just addressed uh, the press briefing this afternoon. Dr. Anani, uh, yes, I can understand this is a very busy moment for you, but um, going forward, are you certain that you, you would have another opportunity to engage government on this, knowing that the position is now officially communicated to the public? Uh, Dr. Anani Andre, I was just asking if your, your, your way forward will be to engage the finance ministry again. Yeah, uh, we, we, have, we have sent a letter to the finance minister. Uh, we, we are of the view that uh, they didn't uh, avert their minds to the fact that we have been exempted and therefore you couldn't invite us to any reopening uh, activity. And I, I believe they will understand that and, and yes, because announced that we are not part of that invitation. We, were, we are not going to submit our, our, our bonds anyway, but the implication is that if you are part of this uh, reopening, until the reopening period is closed and a settlement date is determined for settlement, you are not going to get whatever is due you during the set- during the offer period. That is that is that is the the, 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 the trouble that will cause us if our name is still in the uh, document for tendering. In we are not tendering. We are exempted, and nobody is saying you want to tender uh, the, 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 the bonds. But if your name is still inside, the meaning is that you can't receive your coupons that are due now. You can't receive your uh, principals that are due now until the offer period is ended and settlement day has come. So if it takes now, government is saying the offer period is up to 22nd and settlement day is 29th. And the government has said it may extend the offer period. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. And I believe it is going to be done. The, the previous one were, done, were extended sometimes three, four times. So this will be extended. If it's extended for, let's say, about two months or one month, it means coupons that are due today and principal that is due today will not be paid until the two months when the program, the opening has closed and settlement has come before you receive your money. And we can't go through that. That We won't allow that to happen. So what we are saying is that just take us out of it. If you really apply your minds to the fact I have said it several times that this self-exemption and issue exemption is not taught in class. It's not in the textbooks. It's practical. You must understand the implication of when you say you have exempted someone. And if you still don't have that uh, real understanding, you keep on doing these things. And we are just explaining to you that once we have been exempted, 
you can't invite us to, unless you lift the exemption, unless you say you are no longer exempted, so now you can come. But once you are under exemption, you have no right to access to come and tender. If you access, we won't tender. And if our name is still there, we will have problems getting our coupons that are due now and our maturity uh, 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 bonds that are due now until settlement day, which will not near, which will not be the right thing that uh, we should okay. face. Uh, so that is like, why we are, we, are, we, are, we are holding this press conference right. and writing this protest. We've seen, you know, the trauma uh, and the, the tireless effort and the back and forth with the finance ministry when you were uh, asking for the first exemption. Are you ready to go the, the full length, the full just to get, um, you know, uh, another uh, issue out of the way, which has got to do with the reopening of the DDP? Yes, we, 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 we are saying that the reopening, we don't have a problem. Government can reopen and invite people who are supposed to be invited. We are saying, period, that we are not part of the group that you can invite. Simple. Once exempted, you can't invite us. You can't invite us. So we should not be part. So don't use the, the reopening to delay payments. Mm. You put it in the reopening, you are just using it to delay payments to us. Yeah. Now, I've explained that in the market, when the offer is open, it's not closed, you can't determine people who are bringing in their bonds and people who are not bringing in their bonds. You I must see. wait until the offer period is ended and settlement day has come before you will know people mm. who submitted their bonds or tendered their bonds and people who did not. All right. That is where you can now pay people who did not tender their bonds. So if we put our names there, you are going to tell us to wait. And if this offer period or whatever is the opening takes two months, it means pensioners are going to wait two months before they get what is due them. This is what we say. It's not right. So don't put our name right. inside the document. Mm. Uh, Dr. Entry, thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, Professor Lotmensa, the way forward, what do you think about the proposition? I think it's not, it's not a good thing. I mean, as far as uh, the Ghanaian economy is concerned, it has more or less extended the uncertainty, you know, in the space of uh, government investment. And uh, if we don't take care of the long-term effect of government raising money to operationalize its budget, I mean, would turn out to be a problem. So the way forward, I think um, they should desist from this, I mean, recurrent I mean, debt exchange announcement. Okay, and any message for the finance ministry? Yeah, from where I sit, I think debt exchange is done once and for all, and it's yeah. not something that you can, you know, personalize it every now and then and say you are going for another debt restructuring. From where I sit, I think they should, you know, uh, come out and be clear. I mean, when we're going to end this debt exchange and what we intend to accumulate, what we intend to achieve from that. So far, you know, we had objective for going into this um, exercise. We've not even gotten, you know, um, the, the, the part of the objectives achieved yet. We're talking about, you know, bringing interest rate down in the short term. You see short-term interest rates, you know, going up, but um, we're still having this uncertainty clouding out. That is why government instrument keeps on attracting higher rates because of this, some of these uncertainties. And so... Uh, it's not something that we should joke with. Mm.
We'll see uh, how all of that uh, will play out. Uh, Professor Lob Mensah, thank you for spending some time with us uh, this afternoon. Uh, Isaac, the options left for government as, as we go on this short break. Well, probably the only option is that individual bondholders and pension you know, bondholders want their monies. And as we speak from uh, you know, fact sheets, I can say that today, as we speak, 114.9 million worth of you know, bonds will be maturing today. today? Mm-hmm. 62 million on 25th. At 284.9 million on 28th. So as we speak, September alone is housing close to 463 million Ghana cities of bonds that will mature just this month. And people want their monies to be paid. And just like they said, debt restructuring is done once and for all. Mm-hmm. The IMF says it's like performing a surgery. You don't perform a surgery and say, oh, I forgot this in it, so let me cut and go and take it back. You do it once and for all. And once you do it and don't get the effect, that is it. I mean, some say maybe when you leave a, a razor in there, you go back for it. That is why when you're doing <laughs> you, it, you, you need to be careful. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, critical point there. Isaac Ophiaji, thank you for joining us. You're watching the polls here on the Join News channel. When we get back, we're still paying attention uh, to the Electoral Commission's uh, press briefing, which will be coming up shortly. Uh, plus, the United Nations uh, General Assembly is underway in New York. We'll get you there, get you updates. And why matters to you here in Africa? Please stay. Smile, hmm? Look lively, okay? Smile, smile! Is the money too small? A bad stomach ruins your day. Don't let it. Take Gastron, your most effective antacid, for the relief of symptoms of peptic ulcer, heartburn, gas pain, flatulence, and indigestion. Hey guys, what are you waiting for? Let's go, let's go. Mwah. Can you bring down that smile more? <laughs> Gastron, effective relief from stomach discomfort. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been written and approved by the FDA. Daddy? Daddy, this tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil it. That's not true. But why? Why? <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough?
at the heart of the illegal mining craze. Babies are being born deformed. Their formation stage is interrupted by poisonous minerals exposed by illegal mining. The baby is deformed, you can't find the sexes of the baby. The placenta had a lot of mercury and lead. But those who seek gold continue to expose the toxins that nature wants hidden. Cadmium, lead, copper, mercury, they are of alarming concern. When you bring it up there, they are mobilized into our water bodies, and that is where we get exposed to them. The country's water bodies have become lifeless. Across Ghana, they flow like a plague, polluting the sea with the venom of illegal mining. You need about 10 to 15 micrograms per deciliter in your blood, and you are in trouble. In this documentary, Erastus Osoridoko and his team investigate how silently Ghanaians may be poisoned for gold. Poisoned for gold, coming soon. Imagine a family without a home. Imagine a song without a voice. Imagine a church without prayers. Imagine a government without citizens. Imagine democracy without journalists. Imagine a world without the media. Life is full of issues and stories about people, communities, and governments. Stories that have to be told by well-trained journalists. That's why you can't imagine news without Joy News. And you're welcome back. Let's uh, cross over now to New York because world leaders are being urged to recommit to the acceleration of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, uh, which will recede in the next seven years. The Agenda 2030 of leaving no one behind and tackling world poverty veered, of course, owing to the COVID-19 pandemic. However, it is emerging now, the 78th uh, General Assembly, that the world will have to research and to move towards attaining the Sustainable Development Goals. Earlier today, the Secretary-General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, urged world leaders to join efforts at tackling world poverty and to ensuring that the SDGs are accelerated. 
you made a solemn promise. A promise to build a world of health, progress and opportunity for all. A promise to leave no one behind. And a promise to pay for it. This was not a promise made to one another as diplomats from the comfort of this chamber. It was always a promise to people. People crushed under the grinding wheels of poverty. People starving in a world of plenty. Children denied a seat in a classroom. Families fleeing conflict, seeking a better life. Parents watching helplessly as their children die of preventable disease. People losing hope because they can't find a job or a safety net when they need it. Entire communities literally on devastation's doorstep because of changing climate. So the SDGs aren't just a list of goals. They carry the hopes, dreams, rights and expectations of people everywhere. And they provide the surest path to living up to our obligations under the Universal Declaration of Human Rights now in its 75th year. Well, Wani Kenny is a journalist uh, working in South Sudan. He's at uh, this year's uh, United Nations General Assembly, joining us uh, from New York now. Thank you uh, for spending some time with us here on the Joint News Channel in Ghana. The UN Secretary General saying there uh, that the world actually risks uh, leaving the SDGs behind. Uh, what for you is informing this statement and listening to uh, the debate so far? Uh, why is it uh, you know, so necessary that the world refocuses on the SDGs? Uh, Wani, we seem to be having a challenge hearing you. If you could just uh, unmute for me there so we can hear the points you're, you're making uh, here uh, on the Joy News channel. The question about you know, the SDGs and why the uh, UN Secretary General is so passionate about you know, the world coming together and to um, you know, push forward uh, when it comes to attaining the SDGs. Uh, why do you feel uh, you know, he's uh, so passionate about the SDGs this time around? Thank you. Um, in a world marked by historic events, the war in Ukraine, the conflict in Sudan, the effect of climate change all around the world are a cause of concern. And instead of achieving the goals, it's like the SDGs have hit uh, a reverse gear and uh, hence the statement from the UN Secretary General. Mm. And lots of statements are being made uh, so far. Uh, what else has been dominating you know, the discussions in New York where you are? Well, um, issues to do with climate change is stopping the discussions, especially after the disasters we see around the world, the recent one in Morocco and many other countries. It's top of the agenda, but also not uh, forgetting the, uh, the conflicts that are ongoing currently in, in most of these countries, uh, in many of these countries around the world, and they are kind of a cause of concern because without uh, settling all these, it is difficult to attain, to attain the sustainable development goals. Mm, and in fact, uh, feeding that um, into the UN SDGs, we'll be talking about your story shortly and what's happening in South Sudan, but uh, the, the, is there any indication at all that you know, we're just seven years away from the UN SDGs attaining it? Uh, does it look like these world leaders would want to uh, shift the timelines again, uh, revise the agenda 2030, and perhaps look at uh, another time in the future. What indications are you getting looking at the debates at the General Assembly? 
looking at the debate, it seems um, that is a possibility because um, the 50% of the sustainable development goals have not even been achieved. Now, uh, how I mean, how else will uh, you make the world a better place? It means either timelines have to shift or new policies have to be put in place in order to tackle uh, some of these issues. And, of course, you see the rise in uh, the conflicts today and, of course, uh, the effects of climate change is really topping the agenda. And um, this, cannot be, this, this cannot be achieved overnight. It has to, I mean, some timelines really have to shift. And uh, it, according to um, um, the discussions that are going on currently, it means something at least would happen in, in terms of uh, the, the, the change in the timeline. Uh, and let's talk about South Sudan, where you find yourself. You find yourself uh, closer to Sudan, uh, which is also having its own unique challenges in terms of conflict. And we all know what the story is. Uh, as a journalist and, you know, monitoring the, the discussions going on, uh, what would you say um, is that surest bet to tackling all of these emerging conflicts and looking at that into you know the political situation across many countries on the african continent why is it so important that uh, we take the sdg seriously and to tackle you know the issues confronting our continent the sdgs are key to to kind of stabilizing countries and of course um, when one is missing it means it will lead to uh, escalating conflicts in, in some of these countries. And of course, we've seen that with the, with the Sudan, the rise in economic, economic situation. I mean, the economic situation is not really good. And all these are contributing factors to um, uh, the, the conflicts that we're seeing. So the SDGs are, inst- are really key because uh, when they are attained, it, it, the stability of the countries are all dependent on it. So uh, looking at what is happening in Sudan, and of course it affects, it destabilizes the entire region. Uh, whenever there is a pain, like it's a, like the human body, whenever there is a pain in one, one, one of the areas, it means the whole body uh, experiences it. So it uh, working towards sustainable, I mean, the, achieving the sustainable goals will really uh, go a long way in stabilizing the entire region, not just Sudan or South Sudan. Uh, the uh, high-level week is just beginning in New York. Uh, do we know some of the activities we should be expecting in the coming days? Oh, yes, lots of activities are ongoing. Uh, the, 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 the summit on climate action is ongoing, and, of course, we're still going to listen to the debate from the various uh, heads of states, and most of the heads of states are also arriving. Uh, just, just some few uh, minutes ago, we've seen uh, the, the Nigerian president also uh, arriving, and, of course, uh, the South Sudanese president is almost... Uh, we are waiting for him in a few uh, minutes. He will, he will be also inside. So a lot of discussions will uh, be ongoing, and, of course, the, we have countries that are in conflict... Uh, with each other, they also have uh, events where they they could uh, sit down for some discussions, private discussions, at least to pry and iron out some of the issues. Mm. And we'll definitely be watching the space, and uh, we'll keep connecting with you uh, for more updates uh, from New York. One. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Uh, Isaac Kenyu, who is with the Insider uh, from South Sudan, but, uh, joining us from New York. I'm grateful uh, for your time.
And there's a need for us um, to talk about um, issues relating to education because the Africa Education Watch has launched uh, two new reports on the equitable uh, issues relating to education. Both reports actually aim to uh, direct education policies in West Africa towards uh, achieving uh, gender responsiveness. The report uh, appreciates uh, that uh, while some countries, including uh, Ghana, have achieved gender parity at the basic level, the high number of uh, out-of-school children, school dropouts, child uh, labor and uh, child marriage cases, as well as uh, sexual and reproductive gender-based violence, on the rise. Uh, there's more in the following report. We are crossing a double river with a canoe. When we cross, they come and take a... We are crossing the double with a canoe. They collect to five cities. And, and we come and take things. 14-year-old Ramatu resides in Lingbisi, a remote village in the Tolon district in Ghana's northern region. Every morning, she navigates her way to school with a canoe, a taxi, and continues the journey by walking through rugged terrain and across several miles just to reach her school. Her local community has no junior high school, so after completing primary, she has to travel by foot every day to one of the nearest junior high schools in Tolong. Thanks to here, this, this community is 25, so every day in and out is sister cities. And my parents see that. And my parents see that thing, you cannot, cannot do th- that thing till a year. So they decided and came and rented a house, and came and rented a room for us. The distance is immense, sometimes lasting two hours. But Ramatu says her determination to learn remains stronger. How to get the water is difficult for us because uh, Boho is not around us. So we have to come out and, and give to our brother so that he will go and fetch the water for us. And the food too. Because before we get the food, we have to come to him so that he will call the parent and they will give to us the food. Because we are just like, we are working and, and looking for the water, we, we were tired. We and we could leave it. And the food too, in your mind, you just be thinking about the food. So if even you are reading, you don't, your attention will not be the, the what you are reading. Ramatu and her colleague, out of determination, have rented a room close to the school to avoid the nearly 10-kilometer frustrating journey they make daily by foot. I am Abdul Fatah Rashida. I leave my house at 6 a.m. If I leave, if I arrive at school, I arrive at 8 a.m. And my classmates are insulting me and call me Madame Rashida and expect my education. Any teacher teach in class, I sleep because I, because of I walk into school, I'm very tired. According to Africa Education Watch, a cost barrier like this is a huge potential to cause dropout. And in a scenario where parents have to make a choice, between educating a boy and a girl in the face of the meager resources, the girl is sacrificed in many instances. In the northern part of Ghana, over 20% of primary school graduates drop out due to the long distance to junior high schools. This is due to the lack of junior high school in about 60% of primary schools in that part of the country. 
while many boys are able to survive the long distance commuted to school daily, most girls drop out along the way. Education is a fundamental human right and a powerful tool for empowerment and progress. However, in many parts of the country, the alarming issue of sexual and gender-based violence is pushing girls out of school, robbing them of their education and perpetuating a cycle of inequality. In all the schools visited, it was noted that sexual and reproductive gender-based violence was prevalent. The girls reported in FGD that they experienced teasing, sexist comments, inappropriate touches, and bullying from their male counterpart mostly. Engagement with education officials at the district education offices in Tolong and New Drab in South District indicated that illicit sexual relationships exist between some teachers and some basic school girls. Some girls in Tolong also complained that when boys made sexual advances towards them, no action was taken by school authorities even after they had reported. In most cases, the teachers trivialized their complaints, which was unfortunate. Government has a responsibility of ensuring the learning environment is gender responsive, such that both academic and non-academic needs of girls and boys are provided to facilitate their effective participation in school. The capacity of teachers to manage sexual-based violence in a gender-responsive manner obviously needs to be enhanced to make the school environment responsive to the needs of girls and boys who fall victim to sexual and gender-based violence. Let's use a scenario where um, a teacher cane the girl and then the bees get torn. Okay? Now what happens? This girl emotionally gets traumatized and doesn't even feel like coming to school because she she feels people will laugh at her. And so um if there are other ways that the punishments can be given, not even terminal as punishments, but as discipline, a disciplinary measure can be taken, then it will keep the girls in school. I've seen girls um, who have got hats on their legs. I've seen girls who have got marks on their hands because of how the punishment was given. Stella Jimalabi is a teacher at the Adentan Community School in Accra. She narrates some incidents in the classroom and the school environment that keep both boys and girls away from school. I've heard of other courses. Thanks for staying with us here on the Join News Channel. We'll cross you over now to the headquarters of the Electoral Commission and the chairperson of the commission, Jean Mentor, uh, addressing the press now. We can listen in. We'd like to thank all of you and to welcome you to this edition of the Let the Citizen Know. We thank God for making it possible to meet under this platform to brief the citizenry about the ongoing voters' registration exercise for 2023. Article 42 of the 1992 Constitution confers on every Ghanaian who is 18 years and above and of sound mind the right to register to vote. Similarly, Article 45 of the Constitution clothes the Electoral Commission with the mandate and responsibility of compiling the register of voters at such periods as may be determined by law.
It is in the exercise of this mandate, therefore, that we commenced the 2023 voters' registration exercise on Tuesday, the 12th of September, 2023. I'm happy to note that in spite of a few hiccups experienced in the first two days, the exercise is proceeding well to the glory of God. As you may know, we experienced in the first two days temporary breaks in the registration exercise due mainly to a number of issues ranging from disruptions to our internet supply to power outages, rainfall, and in a few instances, faulty. As a commission, we quickly moved to resolve these issues to ensure an unhindered, smooth, and seamless process. I'm happy to note that the registration exercise is proceeding well. A key policy established to guide this registration exercise was the use of the online method of registration. By this, I mean that the system is connected directly to the database. As such, right from the point of registration, it is possible to detect whether or not a person had previously registered. Once the applicant places his or her fingers on the fingerprint scanner, the system is able to establish whether that person already exists in the database or not. One of the advantage of the online system is that a person's details are immediately captured in the database in the event where the applicant has not previously registered. This is different from the offline, in that the offline registration, one is not able to immediately detect if a person is already in the database. It is offline, and it is not connected to the server or the database. The registration details of applicants are captured onto a pen drive and exported at the end of the day to the database. It is after the export that the server, through a process called deduplication, identifies individuals who have multiple registrations. In summary, the system flags them out. Ladies and gentlemen, from the above explanation, it is obvious that the online method of registration is more beneficial than the offline method. The online mode, however, requires consistent and interrupted internet supply. Recognizing this, we worked closely with our partners, the MTN, to put in place structures to make this feasible. In almost all our district offices, we run two platforms to provide internet service. The leased lines, as well as turbonets. The plan was that when the leased lines failed, service from the turbonet would immediately kick in. In spite of these arrangements, however, we still experienced interruptions to internet connectivity over the first two days. This led us to revise our policy to allow for the use of both online and offline methods of registration. I'm happy to note that since the revision of this policy, the process of registration has been seamless and unhindered. 
And I give you an example. On day one, that is Tuesday, the 12th of September, 2023, relying solely on the online mode of registration, we captured just 12,467 registrants throughout the country. However, with a swift policy change, which now allows the use of both online and offline methods of registration, we have seen an increase in the numbers of registered voters. So on Saturday the 16th and Sunday the 17th of September 2023, we recorded a turnout of 42,266 and 42,776 respectively. We are hopeful that with the use of both methods, we would witness a seamless and hindered registration exercise throughout the country. Another issue that we experienced in the first few days was that of large crowds and long queues at the registration centers. Again, we went back to the drawing board to identify these centers. We immediately increased the number of registration stations from two to three, and in some cases, four. Forty kits were also swiftly replaced with spares that were available in the region. And so, for instance, in the Tamale Metro office, we experienced issues with the kits sent there, resulting in a registration figure of four voters only on day one. We quickly stepped in and replaced the 40 kits, and the registration is going on there seamlessly. Additionally, to do with the long queues in the Tamale Metropolis, we have increased their registration stations from two to four. And I'm happy to note that on Saturday, they recorded a high of 269 registrations and 410 on Sunday, the 17th of September. I share these examples to demonstrate that as a commission, we are on the ground and working around the clock to ensure that every eligible voter who is deserving of, who is eligible to register or who is, who is desirous to register as a voter does so with ease. We have heard of allegations from various quarters that the commission is disenfranchising eligible voters. This is false. It is not in our interest as a commission to disenfranchise any eligible voter. In fact, we take pride in the fact that we have the highest, the second highest number of registered voters in the whole of Africa, with the exception of Cape Verde, which has a national population of just about 600,000 and a voting population of 55.33%. Per the 2021 census figures, Ghana boasts of a registration, a register that captures 55% of the national population. That is 17 million and 27,000 persons out of a national population of 31 million. As a commission, we pride ourselves that our voter registration population meets international best practice for the registration of voters. Ladies and gentlemen, we are well aware that the Commission's policy 
to use its 268 district offices as registration centers has attracted criticism from some sections of the society. As you may be aware, the commission conducted a full-blown registration exercise in some 33,000 plus polling stations throughout the country in 2020. It is important to note that the current exercise is an update of the register. It is to allow persons who have attained the age of 18 years and above since 2020 and others who had not previously registered the opportunity to register to vote. It is not a full-blown registration. It is important to note that this will not be the only registration exercise before the 2024 election. In line with our plans to promote an inclusive participatory registration process, we plan to institute continuous registration in all our district offices nationwide in 2020 for a considerable length of time. In addition to that, we will identify difficult to access areas and undertake a mop-up registration of voters in those areas. Of course, we will rely on data from the Ghana Statistical Service and our own database to determine areas where the registration figures are low as a result of inaccessibility to our district offices. And I'd like to repeat this, that this is not the only registration exercise prior to the elections in 2024. In line with our plan to promote an inclusive participatory registration process, we plan to institute registration in all our offices nationwide in 2024 for a considerable length of time. In addition to that, we will identify difficult to access areas and undertake a mop-up registration of voters in those areas. We wish to assure the good people of Ghana that we have their best interests at heart. We do not, and I repeat, we do not intend to disenfranchise eligible voters. It is in our interest to register them all. However, our present circumstances makes it impossible to conduct registration on electoral area basis. As you are all aware, the Commission prepared a draft CI for continuous registration in all district offices nationwide. This initiative started last year. And the registration we were envisaging under the draft CI was for a sustained long-term basis. Indeed, had the CI passed, we would have had some six months this month, this year, to register voters at any time of their choice. And I like to repeat it, that had the CI passed, we would have had some six months to register voters at any time of their choice in our district offices throughout the country. In this regard, ladies and gentlemen, our 2023 budget and work plan were prepared along those lines. Our 2023 work plan and budget was based... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. 
¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Based on a continuous registration of voters in our district offices nationwide, we do not factor electoral area registration in our 2023 work plan and budget. Hence, our adoption of this method in line with our budget and our work plan as well as our long-term plan and vision. You are all aware that our budget and work plan is approved by Parliament. We discuss our budget and work plan with the and we are mandated by law to discuss our budget and work plan with the special, special budget committee of parliament before its approval. So our budget that, and the work plan we are operating currently is well known to parliament. As mentioned, our plan for 2024 is to undertake a mop-up exercise in the difficult to access areas after our continuous registration exercise in all our district offices throughout the country. As such, those who are unable to register in this ongoing exercise will have the opportunity to do so next year. As we noted in our previous engagement, the Statistical Service projects that 450,000 persons turn 18 years every year. This sums up to 1,350,000 eligible voters for the period 2021, 2022, and 2023. This projection by the Statistical Service has aided our planning and our procurement. For the purpose of this registration, however, we are targeting roughly 700,000 voters. That is 52% of the registrable population bearing in mind that not all who attain the age of 18 years will participate in this exercise. We are confident that with the long-term continuous registration in all our district offices, coupled with the limited mop-up exercise in difficult-to-reach areas in 2024, we will have all eligible voters who are desirous to register as voters on board ahead of the 2024 general election. Ladies and gentlemen, while we are doing everything in our power to capture every eligible voters, we are doing everything in our power to ensure that ineligible voters do not get onto our register. We are reliably informed about attempts by some persons to get minors on the register. And we encourage the citizens who observe these illegal practices to challenge them. We have a recourse in the law that allows citizens who qualify to vote, who qualify to register as voters, to challenge anyone who, in their view, is a minor or a foreigner. Additionally, we have charged our district electoral officers who are serving as registration officers to challenge the registration of these minors and foreigners. We expect that with their effective supervision and leadership, there will be no minors 
offering us on our electoral rule. We have received reports of the arrest of the youth organizer of one of the political parties in the Shai Osudoku constituency. It is alleged that he was facilitating the registration of minors. We are also aware of other cases of attempts by other persons who should know better to register minors. It is for this very reason that we felt it necessary to limit the documentation for identifying a, citizen's, a person's citizenship and age to the Ghana card. Indeed, our experience with the 2020 registration exercise revealed attempts by minors and foreigners to illegally get on our role. And it took great time, a great deal of time, effort, and money to expunge them from our register. In all, we succeeded in deleting the details of 15,000 persons from our register. Our proposal to use the Ghana card as the sole document for identification for registration purposes is simply to guarantee and protect the integrity and credibility of the register. It is not to disenfranchise any eligible voter as is being alleged. The current attempts by sections of society to register minors strongly supports our proposal for the use of the Ghana card as the only document to verify and attest to a person's citizenship and age. Similarly, what we see gives credence to why our proposal was resisted. We use this opportunity to caution guarantors to refrain from guaranteeing for minors and non-citizens. In the past, they got away with it. This time, we intend to compile a list of defaulting guarantors and bring them up for prosecution. On a personal note, ladies and gentlemen, I've seen a video circulating in which the author states that as executive director of the Institute of Economic Affairs, the IEA, I called on the Electoral Commission to expand the registration centers during the 2016 voters registration exercise ahead of the 2016 presidential and parliamentary elections. I categorically state that I said so, but I did so in a constructive manner, devoid of attacks, insults, and falsehood. We will recall that in the lead up to the 2016 election, the commission at the time undertook voter registration in its district offices throughout the country this was conducted in a year of a general election, that is a presidential and parliamentary election. And now the difference here is this. The current exercise being conducted in the 268 district offices is not being undertaken in a year of a general election. Hence my call to the Electoral Commission in 2016 to expand the scope of the registration. That is not to say that the district level election is not important. It is. However, as mentioned, our budget and work plan for 2023, which Parliament approved, was based on a long-term continuous registration and not registration on electoral area basis. I place on record 
that are planned for 2024 is not the same and will not be the same as what is being carried out today. Neither will it be the same as what happened in 2026, 2016. I'd like to take this again. I mentioned that the, 20, uh, the 2023 DLEs are important to us. Indeed, they are important elections indeed. However, as mentioned earlier, our budget and work plan for 2023, which Parliament approved, was based on a long-term continuous registration and not registration on electoral area basis. I place on record that in 2024, our plan will not be the same as what is being undertaken today. Neither will it be the same as what occurred in 2016. In the lead up to the 2024 presidential and parliamentary elections, we will roll out a continuous registration of voters for several months in the district offices. Additionally, we will undertake a mop-up exercise in selected electoral areas, and particularly in areas that have difficulty in accessing our district offices. And so you see that the registration exercise planned for 2024 is different or will be different from what was conducted in 2016. What is baffling is that the very same people who are accusing us of trying to disenfranchise eligible voters were silent in 2016 when the commission instituted registration in the district offices ahead of the presidential and parliamentary election. I take this opportunity to urge the good citizens of Ghana not to believe everything they hear. The allegations being made against us, including accusations of our working to disenfranchise eligible voters, to sending 40 kids to the stronghold of a specific political party, are false. A number of districts reported having 40 kids on the first two days. These kids were not located only in the stronghold of a political party, of a particular political party, and the evidence is there for all to verify. The only region that did not report any faulty kids is the Savannah region. All other regions had faulty kids which were swiftly replaced. As mentioned earlier, the faulty kids in the Tamale metropolis were replaced immediately to enable a smooth registration of voters. As a result of the backlog from the first day, and based on my discussions with the Honorable Haruna Idrisu, we set up two additional registration centers to cater for the teeming crowds. In all, the Tamale Metro Office has four registration stations. And this has helped to ease up the long queues and traffic. As a commission, we remain open to constructive dialogue and call on our stakeholders, particularly the leadership of political parties, to engage with us to ensure a successful exercise. I wish to emphasize that in 2024, once again, the Commission will undertake a continuous registration in all districts for a sustained period. 
and we are looking at some five to six months of continuous registration. Additionally, a mop-up exercise will be held in selected areas where it is difficult to access our offices. As a commission, we remain committed to ensuring that every eligible voter who is desirous of, to get on our role can do so without hindrance and will work within our mandate to ensure that this happens. I'll now turn my attention, ladies and gentlemen, to the statistics of the voters' registration exercise so far. At the end of six days, we have recorded a total of 182,831 registered voters, and I'd like to provide the breakdown. I think I'll start with Western Region. <clears throat> Out of the 182,831 registered voters as at day six, Western Region recorded 11,644, representing 6.4% of the total registered to date. Western North registered 6,491, representing 3.6% of the total registered to date. Central Region has registered 17,590, representing 9.6%. Greater Accra Region has registered 27,264, representing 14.9%. Volta Region has registered 12,681, representing 6.9%. OT region has registered 4,427, registering 2.4%. Eastern region has registered 19,327, representing 10.6%. Ashanti region has registered 29,255, registering 16%. Bono region has registered 6,580, representing 3.6%. Ahafo region has registered 4,519, registering 2.5%. Bono East has registered 7,291, registering 4.0%. Savannah region has registered 4,655, representing 2.5%. Western North, sorry, Northern Region has registered 12,982, registering 7.1%. Northeast has registered 4,244, registering, representing 2.3%. Upper East has registered 8,639, representing 4.7%. Upper West has registered 5,241, representing 2.9%. And it gives us a national total of 182,831. 
Interestingly, we see a pattern of more males registering than females. And so at the end of day six, 53.9% of males had registered as against 46.1% females. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for your time and your attention. And the commission is ready and available to take any questions that you may have. We look forward to briefing you in the coming days and to providing, I think, the infographs of the various, you know, depicting the data across the regions would be shared on our WhatsApp platform and our, our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and on our website to enable the citizens follow through. And we'll be coming back to you periodically, you know, on this platform to provide you updates of how things are proceeding. Thank you very much. Thank you, Barbara. Uh, you agree with me that housing has been very different, comprehensive. I think my name is such thing. No such thing. No such thing. But go on. Okay. My question is that many have accused you of operating under uh, financial constraints. Will you agree to that accusation? That saying, is that an accusation?
Your face is true. Where? Your former headquarters. Four or five constituents, namely us, West Wall, will have to eat the registration is supposed to be held at district offices for various reasons. How will you explain this classroom? And then secondly, we realize that at that very center, no arrangement is made for persons with disabilities. What arrangements have been made for persons with disabilities with this exercise? Thank you. Okay, you take, you ask one person to resign for the person. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC. So it appears the commission is happy with the work it's done so far. Former President John Mahama on Friday visited the headquarters. He, to a large extent, again acknowledged the huge numbers. But he says it goes to the point that when you limit the verification for registration to the Ghana card, then you won't get these numbers. And so if the commission in ADA needs a reason to move away from the idea of using the Ghana card as a sole document for registration, this limited voter registration should be the evidence to the ADA. Last one on this round. My name is Eric. I work with TV3. I will just um, add a bit more to the question about the interlocutory injunction. Um, the council says that contempt application was served on the EC's lawyers on Friday as well, seeking to halt the ongoing registration process. And so, how does the EC respond to that? That's just an add on. And you've raised uh, an important point as to why all of the things that we've seen, particularly the registration of minors, gives credence to the Electoral Commission's quest to use the Ghana card as a sole identifier. The National Identification Authority for some time has been making the case and making it quite strongly that its database is ready for the Electoral Commission to latch on to. If the Ghana card is the uh, prerequisite to eliminating all of these, what is preventing the Electoral Commission from using the database? We spoke to Professor Atipo, who should be said the same narrative. Thank you very much for your questions, and I think I'll, last, I'll start with the last gentleman who asked why we are not using the database from the NIA, and I think it's very simple. The database is not done, the registration for the National Identification Card was not done on polling station basis. I think we all know that Anywhere you found yourself in the country, you could register for the Ghana card. However, the EC voter card is done on polling station basis. It drills down to a person's polling station. And so it enables the commission to know the number of registrants in each polling station and plan adequately for them. You are well aware that at the point of voting, 
we have what we call the biometric verification devices and we feed in persons, every person's details from that particular polling station to, in, in the kits. And so when you come to vote, your, you, your, your, your biometrics are verified. Your fingerprints and your face is verified. We are not able to do this with the Ghana card because as I mentioned, the Ghana card is not done on polling station basis, which is unfortunate because I believe in the planning of these things, we should have been able to George and come to that discussion that let us do the Ghana card on polling station basis. So unfortunately, that has not been done. And if I found myself in the northern region visiting a family member, I could get a Ghana card there. It's not tied to polling stations. So the, the EC is unable to use the Ghana card for registration purposes because it does not allow us to plan. We, it does not allow you to be able to know who is in this polling station, to put their uh, biometric details on the verification device and also to provide materials to cover that registration. That is what it is. And it is, again, a lack of planning. If that had been done, then we could have had a very seamless process and it would have been used easy to use the Ghana card for registration purposes. I think you talked about service on the commission on the 8th of uh, September, Friday the 8th of September. To the best of my knowledge, we do not have anybody in our legal department called Daniel. Neither do we have, neither is the head of our legal called Daniel. There is no person called Daniel in our legal department. And as we speak, you know, the commission was not, did not become privy to that documentation or that service, that writ until Wednesday, because on Monday the commission was on the field, and on Tuesday we were on the field, and it was only Wednesday after the exercise that we became privy to that service. So I'm sorry to say that per the record of this bailiff, there's no person called Daniel in our legal department. <laughs> Neither is the head of our legal department called Daniel, unless I don't know that he has another name, another first name. But I know him as Emmanuel. I don't know. I, do you have another name? Uh, and so you serve, you've, we've known for a long time that we had registration. Why wait till a day before the exercise to serve on a Friday when there's a lot of field activity going on? And as a commission, when documentation is brought in, it goes through steps, a recording process. And so sometimes it does not end up on the desk of commissioners for some two, three days. And so we'd like to state... Hi, Larry Elder here. I never really thought much about how aches and pains can reduce a person's quality of life until pain started keeping me from living my best life. Just a few years ago, using the stairs was difficult because of the back pain. Then I found Relief Factor, a 100% drug-free solution for aches and pains. Within a week, I was on my way back to being pain-free. Now I have my life back. I take Relief Factor every single day. Relief Factor can help your body fight the inflammation that causes joint and muscle pain and the other aches and pains that come with everyday life. Treat yourself to feeling better. Move more, live more, and just enjoy your life more with Relief Factor. Join me and more than a half a million others. Get started today with your three-week quick start for only $19.95. About 70% go on to order more because it works for them. 
Go to relieffactor.com to order now. That's relieffactor.com. Feel the difference with Relief Factor. Relieffactor.com. Macy's one-day sale is going on now with great deals of the day on fall updates, like 40% off outfits for the office that work off the clock, too, and 40 to 60% off shoes, handbags, and accessories to finish your look. And get 25 to 40% off your favorite beauty, skincare, and fragrances. Plus, get free shipping with any online purchase of $25 or more at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. That it was after, you know, the start of the registration that we became privy to the, the injunction that had been served upon us. Again, I think you... Yes, you talked about the old office, and you know, as you know, it was a complex that we occupied as the head office until recently. And when we moved, we felt it prudent in our bid to save some money for the taxpayer to provide office space for, I think, five of our district offices who were perching in places that were not convenient and comfortable. And so rather than go and rent place, spaces for them to, you know, to occupy, we thought it wise because we have that big, huge edifice there to provide them with, you know, accommodation in those offices. And those are districts in the greater Accra region. And so that was the rationale. It's not just to cluster it. And it was not done for the registration. It's a huge edifice with three big structures. And rather than have them sit and go waste, we thought that it was better to have, you know, some of our district offices which had difficulties with accommodation and were perching in most places, in most cases, to occupy these with ease. It is well known that when you have registration, the first few days you have traffic. This is not uncommon. And I recall that even in 2020, when we had registration on the polling station basis, you have traffic. The whole idea is to build efficiency into your process. And so realizing that the, 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 the exercise was highly participatory, we increased the number of registration stations in most of the places. Indeed, we've had consistent engagement with our officers on the field, and they come back to us. They say, we have a lot of traffic here. We have long queues here. And so we immediately give approval for new you know, registration stations to, to be added on. And so that's how we do it. But long, having traffic is not an issue. We are, this is what it should be. But we should be efficient to provide registration stations to manage the queues to ensure the swift, you know, the swift conduct of the registration and to ensure that people who come through are taken care of swiftly. And so that is what we have done. We have done and we continue to do that. Even as we speak, we get requests from the field about the need for additional registration stations, and approval is being given to that effect. Indeed, as we speak on a daily basis, registration kits are being sent to the various offices to cater for the additional registration centers. So that, that is what, how we, we intend to answer that. It, it may be that there may have been traffic because you have you know, four or five. But as I said, we've moved in a swift manner to cater for the traffic to ensure a swift, you know, registration 
of voters. I think you talked about the current budget. As we speak, we are referring to the 2023 budget. We have not presented formally our budget for 2024. And what I indicated is that if you look at our 2023 budget and our work plan, which goes side by side with the budget, we made provision for continuous registration. We did not make provision for registration on, electoral, on an electoral area basis. And so it is impossible for us to go when your budget has been approved by parliament and your work plan has been approved by parliament to decide down the line when monies have been you know, earmarked for your activity to go doing electoral area registration. I did mention, young man, my friend from Peace, that you know, we discussed these budgets extensively with parliament, with the special budget committee of parliament, and before we get approval for these budgets. And in 2023, that was done. <coughs> in 2023, that was done. <coughs> centers, persons with disabilities and pregnant women and the elderly, they are not supposed to queue. As soon as they get there, they are supposed to introduce themselves to the registration officials and they are always attended to. And so far, we haven't re received any reports to the contrary that they've not been attended to. Thank you very much. I'll come to that. I'll come to that. You know, our biometric verification kits, if you go to most of the centers, they are downstairs. I hope you get you. So if you are talking about areas where they cannot actually access because they are in higher buildings, most of the registration centers are downstairs. And I think the Ghana card, I think you raised the question about, you know, the assertion that the use of the Garanta system is what has ensured the long queues at, in, the, in the registration center. So why are we complaining about the long queues then? Because it's good for us, isn't it? If the Garanta system allows everybody to come, then we should not be complaining about long queues. It's good for us. But we hear complaints about long queues. But, I mean, really, I, as a commission, we don't think so. We are, we are mindful of the fact that the National Identification Authority had some budgetary constraints and they were not able to, you know, register. They have not been able to register for a while. But we are also mindful and we are also well aware that over the last two weeks, they've kick-started their activities in the districts, and they are registering persons who have turned, I think, 15 years above in the districts. So we do not, I do not believe, and so the cards are available. The cards are available. And so if you can come to the commission with a guarantor, 
in a district, you can go visit the commission's district office with a guarantor. So should you be able to visit the NIA district office to get your Ghana card? And I believe that we should, we, we've, we, I believe you've all taken note of, you know, some of the newspaper articles, you know, pinpointing to the registration of minors. Is this what we really want as a country? Do we want to have foreigners on our role? Why can't we go to the United States of America and go and register? And if we cannot, why should we allow foreigners and minors to get onto our role? And so we need to really be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves. In addition to that, Parliament has passed an ally, ally 2111, indicating that... Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.